Broadcasting live from the offices of policebackground.net. This is the Police Applicant Podcast with your host, Ken Royball. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode 86. And uh, Donovan, I didn't forget the forget the episode. I know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> Every time we start recording, I'm going, I'm good to go. I've got everything I need. And then what episode is this? So uh, that's kind of... Uh, that happens sometimes, but uh, just to update everybody on, on the announcements, I don't think Donovan, you have any announcements right now, right? I, I don't know, uh, but I want to say that uh, here we are, February twenty twenty four. We have one hundred seventy seven thousand downloads, and uh, that's pretty cool for our little our little podcast. And I just want to mention on our subscriber base, we have a, we have, we're hovering just under 30 subscribers, which is cool. We appreciate you guys. A lot of people don't actually listen to the subscriber content. They just subscribe because they want to give five bucks a month to the podcast because they want to support us. And I appreciate that. Um, So thank you to our subscribers. Yeah. And uh, Donovan and I are pumping out subscriber content as, uh, as we go. But, um, Today's episode is kind of cool. Uh, there is a, there's a, oh boy, there's a big deal going on. And Donovan and I talk about this and uh, the thing with work-life balance. And there is a problem with, uh, uh, with uh, officers taking their own lives as well. And it has to do with mental health, and some of it has to do with your family life and the support. And it's not an easy job uh, to do, uh, but if you don't have that family support. So today what we want to talk about is uh, work-life balance. And um, with us here is uh, Matthew and Aaron Zaus. Is that say that? You got it. Zaus! Look at how yes, I got sir. that first try. So well we want to welcome you guys, Matthew and Aaron, to uh, to the podcast. And we really appreciate you uh, you guys being here. We're happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so really um, the cool thing was I was going over your bios and uh, some of the stuff that you sent. And you are both very, very accomplished in your own right. And so that's what's cool about that is it makes for a really strong family. And uh, you also, um, you came into the job and Matthew is the police officer and Aaron is the uh, family member, the supporter, the supporting spouse, but you have, uh, you have kind of a cool, a cool background between the two of you. Um, Matthew's the police officer. Aaron is the, is the nurse, the RN. So it's true. That's Definitely has an interesting insight because there's some crossover, of course, as you all know, to what we do and the situations that we face, um, you know, depending on where you work, especially as a nurse. And we sometimes we work hand in hand as well, you know. Yeah. We debrief a lot, or he calls me in route. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I have hot shots sometimes, and I'm like, I got this radio call. What should I do? Can I do X, Y, Z or what? And she'll debrief with me real quick and then go out there and do it. That's pretty cool. So uh, to get started, what I wanted to do was uh, we know Matthew works for a large uh, police agency in Southern California. And what we want to do is is share who you guys are. And you both have 
really uh, great, uh, great resumes and bios. And if you could go one at a time and, and share about who you are and, and, uh, and uh, your backgrounds. Do you want to go first, Arlene? Yeah, sure. So my name is Matthew Zaus. Uh, I work for a large agency in L.A. Uh, I've been on the job for almost five years now. I am a P2. And right now I'm on patrol. I am a part of the rifle cadre. Uh, I am in the wait list to become a DRE. And I am just working towards, you know, further educating myself in the job and being well-rounded. Uh, prior to that, I was in business management for almost 17 years. And uh, so the relationship that I have with talking to people, de-escalating, you know, just working through problems leading and leading training. leading people, training, and like orchestrating stuff um, comes kind of natural. That's cool. And Aaron, you have a... a Pretty great background yourself. Um, so I'm a nurse. I have my BSN. I've worked in a bunch of different areas. Um, prior to becoming a nurse, I worked in ministry full time. So I went to college, you know, kind of at a super young age, like the right out of high school time frame. Finished that, my first degree, and then worked in ministry for several years. And then I went back and got my BSN in my late 20s. So um I have been a nurse for like 13, 13 years or so now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've worked in the ED, a lot of trauma, some ortho trauma, worked in step-down units in the hospitals. I've worked remotely as a nurse. I've done kind of some different house supervisor. I've done a bunch of different roles kind of all across the board. So, And I just literally a couple of weeks ago stepped into full-time mom mode right now. I'm building my own business from home for legal nurse consulting. So I'll be assisting attorneys and supporting them case review, merit review, um, making chronologies for attorneys to help their, their cases that they're working on essentially with that nursing eye and kind of helping them catch maybe what they wouldn't have been able to trying to figure out how to scour through thousands of pages of medical records, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's, we're going to see where it goes, but for now, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's fun. That's a, that's yeah. a good gig, man, to, to mm-hmm. do that. And uh, just being able to catch all those little, those little things that attorneys may not catch. You'll, yeah. So you are like a subject matter expert in that stuff. Yes. I could technically be I, an expert yeah, witness. I would say I, so. I don't want to do that in front of the scenes. I have no desire to go and sit in a courtroom. She doesn't want to go to court. Testify. That's not really my personality, but I love to support. And so if I can help, you know, strengthen the attorney's cases. And like I mentioned, um, you know, you could look at something and think it all looks bundled up, but without that, I won't even know maybe what's missing. Mm-hmm. So being able to go and pull that from the medical records, say, ah, uh-uh, they only sent you this. They're missing this whole section. We need to supplement this and strengthen the case or, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm just starting out with that. So I'm still new. Um, there's a certificate program that I worked through and, um, yeah, so going to see where it goes, but it goes hand in hand fairly well with some work that I had done as a nurse working remotely from home, um, recently anyway. Yeah. So it's sort of like God set me up already to start this, which is pretty cool. You're super well-rounded, I must say. And you have kids and you have animals and you have horse. 
Yes. And how many kids do you have and how many animals? Uh, we have two kids. So Kingston's the oldest and he's going to be six. And then Adelaide is our youngest and she is 16 months. We have two cats, a dog, a horse, and <laughs> it's a whole petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> that come you know everybody has animals i you know i get that and it's a it's, it's a balance it's normal people have kids people have animals but just for us especially with the horse i don't even think people sometimes that don't have horses realize it is really a, a large responsibility it kind of becomes a big part of your life i've mm-hmm. been riding since i was three years old so i've always had horses you know been in, involved with that lifestyle. Um, and Matthew just jumped right in. You yeah. Know, like he's part of the family. Yeah. Rowan's part of the family, but it takes, you know, it's, you have to plan around that. You don't just leave on vacation. Right. Or, you know, you got to set up someone planning. to feed them and mm-hmm. then have all his food mm-hmm. and supplements ready and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, so um, it's another component that we balance, but it's also somewhere that we can go to sort of decompress. The barn yeah. is a really peaceful place. And the, and the horses are very gentle and and they can see mm-hmm. how you feel and they'll like rest their head on them mm-hmm. and yeah. and they're just connection animals. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys seem to have a very busy lifestyle. There's a lot to take care of. Uh, kids alone, and then the animals and horses are there. That's a uh, pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you to know what you're doing and take, take time to take care of the horse, too. But um, the, you guys have your plates full with life. Yeah, yeah at moments. So. Yeah. I and guess we just don't think about it that we way. We don't. Yeah. It's just part of our lifestyle and just kind of how we live. And uh, we don't think about it being full, you know? Or being as busy. Sometimes I feel right. like, you know, because we are older older on the job, you know, to start. And then we're older with young children. So I'm 42. I had Kingston at 36. I don't mind sharing that. I had Adelaide when I was 40. And so, um, you know, we're older for having younger children. So a lot of our friends have 12, 13 year olds. So they're doing sports and, you know, they're doing, we're just starting sports. Yeah. we're, mm -hmm. We're just going down that road, but there is quite a bit to balance, but I think, really what it comes down to is just the teamwork and yep. doing that together. And, and that's something that we really do have, I think, which. And the communication, yes. the clear communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot. We probably spend way more time together mm-hmm. than some people do. I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like you really just make a point to. Be, be here, around. be present. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and be a part of it. And we both have you know, our lives and he has his work and then I had mine and still have mine, you know, to some degree with what I'm getting started. Um, and with the kiddos and homeschooling and everything, but I just feel like our family does really come first and I don't have to look at you, you know, say, I know that that could be a struggle with balancing the work and family life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it might just not come, the balancing might not come as easily, I guess, as to everyone, but if you're there and you just get together and you talk, then you can sort it out. And I feel like you're really good at doing it. So I would encourage people to consider doing that. If they feel like they are struggling um, with the balance, it could just be as simple as starting to have a weekly meeting, like talking more, start vacation. And then from there you can work out how to balance it better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, and the want, 
you kind of have to want to do that. That's true. That's kind of why I was saying like yeah. if people don't feel like they can relate to us so far because it's that part comes yeah. a little more naturally. Maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Getting started be, with that. Yeah. Kind of have that small conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when Donovan and I started in police work, uh, there was the worth work life balance wasn't even a thing. I mean, it, there was no, it was no such thing. You were a cop and you went to work and you did cop stuff. Then you came home and, and, and your family was there, but it wasn't an emphasis. And uh, Donovan, you found out very quickly, and I found out very quickly during my career, that your family life, when stuff goes sideways, your family life is where your strength comes from, is having that person next to you or, or your family next to you to, to come in. And, and Donovan, when you got shot, Tina was all over that situation. She was taking care of business. She was, she was. And that's, that's one thing. And, um, before we started recording, um, Aaron was talking about, uh, Matthew's career and she used the phrase, you know, we, you know, our career. Um, and that's one thing, um, I think it's important for spouses to understand you don't apologize for that. It is, this isn't just Matthew's career. It's not your spouse's career. This drags you into it. So it is really your career together because when I retired, I didn't just retire from law enforcement. My wife retired from law enforcement along with me. Right. Absolutely. And really, well, that way. really the spouses need more, more of the, the gratitude and the congratulations than, than what the, the officers who retire or who are doing the job because they put up with a lot more. So um, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and when I started, it was, um, you know, it, you're on the job and you fit your family and when you can. And, mm. and, Thankfully, that culture is changing now, um, you know, and that's that's why it's important for us that we're talking to you guys today to figure out how you guys are, are making it work. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I, oh, oh, no, I was going to say, well, back then, too, I know that um, patrol used to be five eights. So oh. that ate up a lot of your time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And having three twelves is a yeah. huge difference. I could never go back to five Four eights. days he's with us, you yeah. know, unless it, you're doing OT right now. Uh, or I have court, but right. other than that, I mean, it's it's phenomenal to be home, right? right. And I was three yeah. twelves as well, so I was already used to that mm-hmm. schedule and the lifestyle. Um, once I had Kingston, I really stepped out of the full full time nursing. I would work two days a week or only work on his off days. So mm-hmm. we have never done, you know, like the daycare, none of that. Um, one of us is with the kiddos. My dad had helped for a short while yes. when he was in the academy because of the five, eight nature of the academy right. time frame. Yes. Um, but that was just very short lived while he was in the academy. And I didn't really take too many shifts no. during those You're mostly few off months with, with Kingston. With Kingston, yes. Yeah. And then I would... Mm-hmm. Um, again, I went back and then I started working remotely. So I worked from home remotely just with him, my son at home with me and Matthew would go and work his three twelves and then he would be home all the other four. So you yeah. didn't start doing really any elective overtime until this year. Correct. So five years in, he's now picked up a few more shifts because of me stepping out. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a pretty significant and, hit financially yeah. for me to step working after right. being a for 13 well, years in well, California. Thank God, thank God the so, opportunity is there. Yes. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. We're thankful for that. But it the schedule definitely, I feel like now, and I don't know how it was for y'all, but for you, 
the schedule is kind of what you make it as well. And I do feel mm-hmm. like some of the guys maybe who are younger on the job, but they're not married. Right. Go, go in there. And they go hit it get it. Go bank that <laughs> OT. Email, fill up your different comp, max it out, do everything you can now. Saving for a house. While you're not mm-hmm. married. Yeah. Don't go buy and lift your truck. Don't go buy all that stuff right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, stand by right. to stand by. Stand by. Yeah. So take your time right now while you're young, you're not married, you don't have children. Um, utilize the OT if you can, and then step out of that for a while while your children are young. You'll never regret it because you'll be there for all those important moments with your children like Matthew is. Sort of just take a minute to say about him specifically, this is someone who, like, if you don't mind if I share kind of like how you grew up, oh, that's like fine. did not have a dad. Mom was raised by grandma and grandpa, grandma specifically. Mom, you know, worked a lot of the time. Yeah. There was kind of someone in and out a little bit when you were younger, but then, you know, just really did not have that. And it's literally like he was created to be a father. He's so involved with both of our kids. And I'm not just, you know, trying to say that, trying to make him sound like so amazing, even though he is, because he's like an angel on earth, but <laughs> he just engages with the kids. Even when he does work a 12 hour shift, he comes home and he's right into it. Right. So he used, he utilizes his drive home, you know, the longer drive home, which is like an hour and something to get home Yeah, roughly. to decompress. And then he's a hundred percent all in with us when he's home. Right. It's pretty amazing. Um, and maybe you could talk a little bit about how you get your brain to that place because I know that you're tired sometimes, but we don't see that right. because you're so involved. It's as if you just went to work at the flower shop all day, which obviously you didn't. No, but it's it's the mindset. It's going in and saying, you know, what can I do today that was better than I did yesterday, um, <laughs> even if it's one percent better every day. And I want to be able to provide that for my family. Because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Donovan, when you started, were there still five eights? Um, I actually worked six on, three off. So it was even worse. Oh, golly. So we had to work six straight days, and then we'd find – and I was on graveyards, too, at the point. So six six graveyard Ooh. shifts in a row it didn't give you much time on those three days off to re- recover and go back in. So, yeah, it was Not it was brutal. Awesome. I think <laughs> departments are doing a lot better of keeping officers in mind and their, their – um, mental health and everything when they come up with the schedules uh, as they didn't really care about it back then. I don't know. Ken, what did you have to work? Well, I was working in five eights for nine years and I left patrol and then I went back for a short stint in 97 and uh, they were at three twelves and I go, this is cool. (laughs) cool, (laughs) And uh, 12 hours went like that. Right. Really? Especially if you're, you're busy and things are popping off it, it just it just goes real quick. Yeah. yeah. I want to get mm-hmm. into a little bit uh, what it's like being uh, in a police family um, because and, – and, and later on, uh, Donovan and I shared some of this stuff. But before, when I started, it was all about being a hard charger, being a hot dog, going out there, getting bad guys and all that. That's That was, that was life. I mean, I wasn't married to the job, but that was – uh, and I made a lot of mistakes, and I think it's important in 2024 for our our listeners who want to become police officers, don't make the same mistakes that I did. Um, 
I wish I had been home more. I wish I had focused more on my family and not been so, you know, when you do police work, the, the, the thrill, the, uh, the adrenaline rush, the, mm-hmm. the lights and sirens, pursuits, getting out of your car, chasing bad guys, arresting murderers, all that, that can be yeah. all consuming. So tell yeah. us, tell us in, 2024, what is it like to be in a police family? Mm. How have things changed for you since before you came on the job? Um, it definitely opens your eyes. It, it opens your eyes to the world and what can happen, may happen, or will happen. Um, so it's looking at your surroundings, looking what's around you, mm-hmm. who's doing what, you know, Um it's like the hypervigilance, but not overboard, right? Because that, that becomes all-consuming. Um, but the situational awareness is key and also communicating that with Erin. She knows, like, when I'm getting the kids out of the car and she's watching me, she's watching my back, yeah, making sure no mm-hmm. one comes up behind me and tries to do something because they figure out who I am or whatever or tries to steal our car with our kids in it, you know? And I do the same for her. And we listen to different tactical uh, podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we do. We debrief OISs. We listen OISs, to a lot of podcasts. Um, we debrief a lot. Of critical incidents, videos. different things like that. And we we train off of that for each other. We talk a lot about, I and mean, we talk a lot about all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. We talk about church. We talk about our kids. We talk about our plans and our goals. But we do, we have, you know, other interests outside of law enforcement, of course, but right. it is interwoven throughout our lives. It just is. And we, we are okay with that. I know that there are some podcasts who we really know and love who do encourage, you know, they talk a lot about um, mindfulness yep. and mindset, and they talk a lot about balance and they talk a lot about having other interests outside the job and right. you're not just the job. And, and that's, we love them that's and a we huge agree, key. Yeah. but on the other hand, it is also who we are. It's, it's just, still it's, also, yeah, who we are. It is interwoven. Right? So we we kind of agree and disagree with some of that. I think it's the type of career, um, and my, my time as a nurse as well, it's not the type of job where you can just sort of clock in and clock out. Right. It's just not. Mm-hmm. It have to be. It's a life and death type of a, a career. It is. It has to be more than clocking in and clocking out. And I know some people probably just do it for the money. Right. And I'm sorry for them because um, they're missing out, honestly, because you really are there with people on their worst day, even right. if they caused it. Correct. You know, and you have this opportunity to speak into their lives, which I know you do. Um, Several. But also you're in dangerous situations. So there's this weird balance. It's, it's, a, it's a fine balance, but, you know. But it has to be who you are. I think. And you have to feel it in you. And, you know, sometimes God speaks to you as well when oh, you're, yeah. when you're out there and you're on a perimeter and you hear the voice just speaking in your head saying, be ready. And not yeah. in like a creepy, weird way. No, just your, it's, it's just, your own you, intuition. Just, you mm-hmm. just feel it. And then right. holy moly, here comes 415 man with the gun. Let's go mm-hmm. get him. You know? Yeah. Donovan. Have- oh, good. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say no. Donovan did, uh, does Tina like when you go into a restaurant? Does she make sure you get you get with your back to the door? Always. <laughs> yeah, no, she knows if all of a sudden she takes, or she knows she's going to s- sit there and just have me glaring at her standing there until she gets up and moves because <laughs> my back ain't going. My back is not going to be to the door even even in retirement. <laughs> it's an yeah. 
it's an interesting thing. I mean, I remember specifically going, I was in, I think I was in the academy or, or I had just gotten out or whatever. And we went to a, a work party um, at someone's home for my wife's job. And somebody said, so what do you do? And I said something like, I'm in the police academy or I'm a police officer. And all of a sudden nobody talked to us. Nobody <laughs> wanted to talk to us. And then it, it was weird because uh, it seemed like that was a pivotal moment where I, I realized that people don't want to be friends with cops. <laughs> and it, is that, right. is that what happened with you guys, Donovan and, and uh, Matthew and Aaron? Yeah. You Actually, know, a it, little bit. it kind of happened. Yeah. So as soon as I got into the Academy, things kind of changed, you know, it's the pers perspective, right? It's like, you're going to judge me for doing X, Y, Z now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can talk to you anymore because of that. But we had a lot of other friends as well that are 100% supported us. and Still the, checking in. They still were already asking. officers, people that we already yep. were friends with. So mm -hmm. we did have a lot of good support. Yeah. There it, were a it, few people. Yeah. But the good support is what you want. Yeah. And that's what you need. Yeah. We didn't lose anything by not really having those friendships continue. Correct. I don't think. Donovan, I don't know if I've mentioned this story before, but I had been on the job eight, 20 years or something like that. And I was, I was in charge, my wife and I were in charge of the singles ministry at church. And there was a woman who had been in the single ministry. She was an older woman. She obviously she had gotten divorced because she's in the singles ministry. And she had thought I was the greatest thing. I was the nicest person. I was really, really cool. And time went on. And then all of a sudden she found out I had, I was a police officer. And all of a sudden she hated me because her husband, the reason she's divorced, her husband cheated on her. And oh. somehow I, <laughs> somehow I was attached to that because all cops. All cops. It's are, a stigma. And so the fact that I was a cop was enough for her to not like me anymore. And okay. something about you tell someone, yeah, hey, so I'm a, I'm a cop. And then following 2020, I don't know how it was for you guys, but... Following 2020. It was wild. That it, was his first year out of the It was academy. rocks and bottles and everything else. It was mayhem. Long yeah. hours, 20-hour days. Mm -hmm. It was relentless. Yeah. That was very yeah. rough time. There were some stuff. It was know, very scary. With our, even Honestly. outside of the job, though. Yeah. There was, you know, our church did a lot of. Yeah. They, uh, it's, yeah, they, you know, they went, they went with them and, you know, kind of walked away from and it's not like an all us the versus them yeah but it was mm -hmm. it was just a weird balance that it was not what we anticipated it, and it wasn't well received with us being police officers we right. lost the right. entire security team because they just hurt yeah they hurt us mm -hmm. you know never checked in i mean he was gone for 11 days i think I it was never, total 14 for 11 yeah working 23 hours a day basically yeah you know if i'm allowed to say that yeah um, a lot. and no one ever texted. i mean this man was up there on the platform guarding the pastor every weekend for two years and nobody texted him nobody texted me to see how right. he was doing mm -hmm. that was a very hard pill to swallow and we don't harbor any unforgiveness or right. any anger or anything but at the time it was a very hard pill for the whole you know security team to swallow that there was no support coming from this 
place we had been who yeah. that we loved that we served and spent time at. And so we actually ended up going back to our former church. Right. Uh, we'd only been at that church for a short while. And so we went back to our former <laughs> church and felt very supported. And, um, you know, like well I said, received. we, we know that people are just people and people get caught up. They wanted to do the right thing. I think they wanted to, to present like they the, were advocating yeah. for people who needed support at the time, which is a great thing. Right. But it should have been you guys. It should both. have been both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a balance both. and the yeah. balance was lost. So that was a really hard season for us. Yep. Honestly, it broke our hearts mm-hmm. in a way. It was rough. So people but, that knew you personally, they knew you as people. They attached you to police across the nation that they had seen. The leadership yes. of the church. We think we don't really know. They're yeah. always still nice to our Facebook. Just nobody just ever checked in and no to one see it, how they were doing. And no one ever really wanted to talk and about it. They went it. to all the marches and they went as a church. Wow. Like going to all those marches, but not checking in on their own security team who was secure guarding them every single weekend at church. Right. So it just wasn't a good look. And it was hard for us. It yeah. was. But none of our friends. We didn't have any issues with friends or family. No. Nobody we didn't have anything personally other than the church situation during that time. Correct. Um, but again, we, we have, you know, went back to our old church and we know tons of other churches who were totally supportive of everyone. You know, they were supportive Correct. of, you know, people who um, maybe felt like they were heartbroken for other reasons during that time. And they were also supportive of law enforcement. They supported both equally. And we just really respected that. Yeah, absolutely. We think both, you know, if you were to say, there were sides in that situation. Both sides deserve love and support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as a church, it should have been that way. Yeah. And we've found that in right. spades elsewhere. So we're good now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And you guys in Donovan are more current than I am, but even going back to be pre uh, social media, um, we just, you just never walked around advertising that you were a, a police family. Right. I lay pretty low. Right. Yeah. And like my Instagram, my Instagram handle mentions what I am, but my name isn't anywhere on there Mm -hmm. and it's private, you know? So, yeah. And you wouldn't know anywhere on my um, social media. Yeah. On my Instagram or anything that I have anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. And Donovan up in, and it's private. Yeah. Yeah. In beautiful Mm -hmm. Washington, have you had to be mindful about how you, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it has always up here been a, a, a love hate relationship. It just depends upon what the political, uh, uh, feeling is going on at the time. So, um, we try not to get involved in the whole, you know, presenting ourselves as law enforcement outside of being law enforcement, if we can, you know, unfortunately some things I've gotten involved in, I'm pretty much known that no matter where I go, that I'm, I'm a cop or a former cop now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Some just, a, shoes, you can tell. Oh yeah. We sometimes wear a lot of, what we're wearing kind of gives away sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just a, um, a word of advice for our listeners. If you're going to get into police work, just know, just be, uh, you're going to be off the radar. You know, you're not going to be advertising. Um, it's just, especially nowadays with doxing and all this kind of stuff we had a while ago, we had um, 
uh, Christina Degas from El, I think it was El Segundo or Escondido. So anyways, her husband, it wasn't even, it was something that happened at a train station where he was hitting up some guy because the guy didn't have a ticket and somebody recorded it and they, the news media got a hold of it and BLM got a, a hold of it. And before he had gotten home that night, it had gone on social media. Wow. And there were protesters outside their home and Christina was home alone. And oh, wow. In, mm-hmm. in, in this day and age, you've just got to be so mindful and have uh, situational awareness as a police mm-hmm. family. And, and Aaron, you've got to be, you've got to be mindful now where it was just us cops, you know, you've got to know who's around you and everything now because of the internet. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I, like I said, I have, everything is private on my page. So I, you know, <laughs> no one can see anything um, as far as I know, but you could, they could always Google maybe, I think we have some of that locked down, yeah. but, um, you know, it's definitely a consideration. And I thought about it a little more in the 2020 timeframe. Um, I'll be honest though. Now I kind of don't, although I, I'm always trying to be situationally aware and my eyes open and knowing my surroundings and watching over my kids. I wear, you know, the Mrs. hoodie and I wear, you know, police, Pretty much my whole wardrobe, I feel like, is like police is apparel. Yeah. I'm a mom. I wear yoga pants and t-shirts. Um, but I'm really proud of him. I'm really proud of what he does and who he is. And I'm proud of the department that you work for. Um, you know, although there's intricacies with every department and things that we are looking forward to you know, them improving. We still are just so blessed to be with your department. They supported us through, you know, Adelaide being in the hospital for seven weeks when she was a baby. It was an incredible outreach. Um, Between week five Mm -hmm. and week 12 of life, she was in the hospital. So I lived essentially at the hospital with her and Matthew was off and they were just amazing. Honestly, we could not have asked for more support from them. Yes. From, from the division, from the division mm-hmm. all the way to the chief leadership. Of yes. Mm-hmm. The chief of police leaving him voicemails on his phone. Like when we're sitting in the hospital, not knowing if we're going to walk out of there with our baby. Um, it's just, yeah. So like I mentioned, although maybe, you know, there's some intricacies there. We overarchingly like are really grateful for the department. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm so I'm extremely proud of that. And I refuse to hide who I am. Like if someone asks me what you do, depending on who they are, sometimes Correct. I say, yeah. Oh, he works for the city it, or I work know. I work for sanitation. Yeah. But most of the time I'll I'll say, you know, depending on who we are and who we're interfacing with, um, I do ultimately end up sharing that yeah. and we've talked about that and the parameters for that. Right. Um, but we're just really thankful. I come from a heavily military and also law enforcement family mm-hmm. and our family has lived through, you know, the best and the most absolute horrific, terrible things that that, that can mean as a law enforcement and military family. And yes. I say that genuinely. Um, but I still believe that there's no, better calling for you in your life and who you're mm-hmm. supposed to be like you're, well, this is just who you were always meant to be i feel the same and i'm i'm glad that you feel that way yeah 
That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to when we come back, we're going to find out how life changes uh, once you get in the academy, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. Be right back. PoliceBackground.net is the premier background investigation prep site with veteran investigator Ken Ryball, who spent 16 years conducting over 1,400 LAPD backgrounds. For more information, go to PoliceBackground.net. Now, back to the Police Applicant Podcast. All right, let's talk about... Once you get it, you know, there's this exciting time that happens when you get a phone call saying that you're going to be in the police academy. And most people don't think they get very excited, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I was thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite the journey. Graduation dress, like the day you got. Yeah, she was she was already (laughs) looking for everything. But uh, (laughs) no, it's life changing. It is something that you're not looking back on. You're, you're going forward and you're owning it and there's nothing that's going to stop you. And after the excitement wears off and you get to be on the black line that first uh, day at the academy, um, and then something happens in those six months where you have no life and your, your weekdays and your weekends all become one because you're going to the academy five days, then you're practicing stuff and studying on the weekends. And uh, mm-hmm. Donovan was recently teaching at the academy and he was, mm-hmm. um, Donovan, you were, you were, you're kind of old school when it comes to the academies and you were, you didn't, uh, you didn't tread lightly when it came to how, how recruits should act and what kind of pressure they should be put under. So, right. Um, Donovan and I talk about, uh, a friend of ours coined a phrase when it comes to college academies, like we call, uh, he called it uh, a gentleman's academy, where it's just not very hard anymore. Oh, but that's a disaster. But it is, especially when you get out into the field. Yeah, yeah. You have to deal with people that are not going to go with the program. Right. You got to. And you know, before we before we get into that about the um, uh, how life changes once once somebody gets in the academy, I want to pay honor to um, y- you lost a family member. Um, I think it was back east. Can you tell us about that? I did. Yes, sir. So my cousin, um, it was with the York County Sheriff's Office, and his name is Mike Doty, and so. In January of 2018, we had actually just been back staying at his house for about a week, Mm -hmm. flew out on Sunday, and there was a multi-agency event on Monday night. Um, He was actually supposed to be off, but Mike was the type of guy that went in even when he was supposed to be off always. Um, But he was a part of the SWAT team there for YCSO, and so responded to a call out um, of a kind of a DV situation at a house and the guy had took off through the woods with firearms had already shot at an officer. Um, so it became a manhunt. Of course they had a, you know, 
a helicopter over and everything and just a full manhunt. Um, and ultimately it ended up that a tour officers, um, from two different agencies were injured and, um, Mike unfortunately was killed in that, in that event. And so my cousin, you know, he absolutely lived and loved his job, you know, very similar to yes, you, honestly, just, absolutely. this is just who he is. It's who he was meant to be. His twin brother is also on the job still, um, in this, at the same department, his twin brother, Chris, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, these are my cousins. I live in California. They live in, um, you know, back in the South where I grew up part of the time. And so while we didn't see them as much as we wish we could, this is still, you know, my family there, you know, my, my mom's sister's children. And it was a huge, huge devastation in the family mm-hmm. um, to learn just a day later, literally that he had been involved in this incident. And um, ultimately he, uh, you know, was able to, um, they, he, he wanted to be an organ donor and just kind of, you know, give that gift of life. And so that was arranged and organized. And that Wednesday was technically the day that uh, we lost him. And so we flew back out. I was yeah. like 32 weeks pregnant, I guess, with Kingston. Yeah, right and We right. flew back out that next week for the funeral out there, which took place in Charlotte. And then um, the Fort Mill Rock Hill is Rock Hill is where the burial was. Right. And so I, um, I've never been a part of something so like, Totally devastating, but also um, so honoring. Cr- yes, just incredibly honoring to see the way that literally everyone, the world just stopped out there. The freeways were lined with people, the freeways, the interstates, yeah, right. just people standing outside their car. Every overpass for like 23 miles between the church and the cemetery. Uh, I got chills just thinking about it. Right the now. flags hanging with the fire trucks. Yeah. It was like, thousands of people outside. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. It's and incredible. I've attended services out here in California. It's just different back there. It's just the South can, you know, has its, its intricacies as well, but there's yeah. just a support and, um, uh, a close knit community feel out there that is just really different. And the way that mm-hmm. the community really supported the family out there was incredible and just really, um, really made such a horrible situation. Um, just us all feel so much more comforted in that. And in his loss, um, I riding in his Jeep with him going to Starbucks, like that week when we'd been right back out there and like hearing him talking to the sheriff, the sheriff had called him about a holster or something, something pick him up a custom holster. And Mike just, you know, his voice and just the way that he talked to him. And, you know, this is the sheriff. The share the York of York County calling him, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he was just the type that he just he just drew people in and he just formed those close relationships, you know. And he'd been on the job like twelve or thirteen years, coming right. to thirteen years, um, and so those guys are all just incredibly close back there, and um, it was just a huge, a huge, huge loss. And it's reality that we all have to understand and face every military family, every law enforcement family. Um, it's not only something that can happen, but it's for me, it's something that did happen, you know, um, that did happen. 
And um, it's it's not something I perseverate on in that regard, you know, with Matthew and his safety. Um, maybe some people think it's crazy. Like even after that happened in 2018, you still wanted your husband to go or you still released him to go and, and head into this career. But um, it's, you'd had a conversation with Mike that week. I mean, he spoke into your life and really encouraged you a ton. He really did the process and getting ready for it. Yeah. So I feel like it honestly honored Mike memory and who he is and everything he did for Matthew to pursue this career, you know, and kind of always keep him in mind and just who he was and who he is in that sense. Yep. Well, let's segue into that. Now that we're talking about it, we can go, we'll, we'll go back to the Academy part, but um, one of the questions I had for you and, and uh, it was a reality for Donovan and Tina is uh, how do you deal with the fears that are part of being in a police family? Because we, uh, you know, we talk to uh, police wives and the majority of, of officers are male. So there's majority of, of spouses are, are, are wives. And so one of the things is that when a police officer leaves the house every day, there's the stark reality that something could happen on the job. And you guys live that with Mike and, right. um, what, so what is it that there's, there's always this great fear that something could happen. I mean, it's a reality. It's not something like, oh, it could be a car accident driving so far. I mean, it's not like that for mm-hmm. cops and their spouses. And, um, Tina got a phone call. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact, but Tina got a phone call that says, Hey, your husband's been shot. And, Tina had to go into spouse mode. And one thing that I've mentioned with my wife and with with uh, what I know about Tina, police wives are hardcore pioneer people. They mm-hmm. You cannot ruffle the feathers of a police mm-hmm. spouse. So Tina gets this call, and she went immediately into police wife mode, right, Donovan? She did. Yep, absolutely. So she, uh, they, they, they're like, Hey, we'll come over and pick you up. She's like, Nope, not waiting for you. I'm, I'm right. going, what hospital am I going to? Um, and she said that, uh, there were more people in the waiting room that were seemed more distraught than she was, um, mm. when I was in surgery and everything and they didn't know what was going on. Um, she said it really didn't hit her, um, tell everyone, I think everyone started to leave and, and she got up to the room where I was recovering and everything. So. Uh, wow. I think his wives just uh, get that that hard shell that we get as well as as police officers. They know they need to act at at some point and just have to wait for the emotions to come later. Yeah. So this this is a lot for um, this question is a lot for Aaron because the, the, it's not just that phone call. It's the phone call that uh, hey, I gotta, I I just worked twelve hours. I gotta work another eight or whatever. You know, I'm not coming mm-hmm. home right now. And then you've got the kids. Have, the The kids don't stop because dad has to still work. And you may be something. You may have something on the calendar. You may have to work. How do you guys have you guys had that conversation where hey, okay, listen, this is the realities of the job, and and. Have you guys had a conversation about what could possibly go wrong? Man, um, 
We've we've uh, seen it firsthand, like you said, but also too, uh, we're always in communication with everything. So um, whether I get myself into a use of force or something else happens or whatever it is, I always communicate with her, let her know what's going on and how long I'll be or what whatever it is. Um, and and I don't really call or I don't ever call. I've maybe no. called you a couple times, like, oh my gosh, this kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then like no, but not, I, I we don't talk. Yeah, anymore. we don't I reach out to her. She doesn't reach out to me yeah. while I work. And then uh, there's a difference too between probation and on the job. Right. I just want to clarify that as well. Because um um new officers or whoever's listening that probation time, you have to protect them. You have to protect their time. You have to protect their focus. Same with the academy. Oh, 100%. Oh, they don't even have their phone at the academy. So yeah. you have to be self-sufficient. Forget about it. If you are the type of, you know, I don't want to discourage anyone. I want to be encouraging, but I also want to be honest. But if you are the type that needs constantly to be texted all day and mm-hmm. you need to ask your <laughs> man a hundred little questions, you know, I'm so sorry. I say it with all the love because but you need to hear that this might not be the right situation for you. If you're thinking about dating this guy or if guys, if you're thinking about dating this new girl and you don't think she can handle that, or she's already dinging at you and you're not even in the Academy yet, I'm sorry, but think twice because you're going to need someone that is self-sufficient enough that isn't going to crumble because they don't hear from you for eight hours uh, because that's just the reality of it. And I say that with love, like I said, um, and you'll come home to them, girls, they'll come home to you. Everything will be fine, but you have to protect their time. And similarly at night, when you're studying in the Academy, you have to protect their time. You're going to have to, you know, get yourself together and, you know, go hang out with a girlfriend or go to the gym, do something. Um, but you have to protect their time. And then in probation, similarly, I didn't hear from you as much. Now he texts me, you know, when he can, it's a lot more frequent than it was in probation. Yeah. Probation Mm -hmm. was just you're just laser focused yeah. and you're going from call to call and you're learning. Yeah. You're learning. You're learning so much. And it's such a fast amount of time. And yeah. I worked in a very busy division yeah, during busy. probation. So, very and busy. it was all old school. So you're, you're out there cutting paper, mm-hmm. you're doing pushups mm-hmm. in the streets, you're running from post sign to post sign. And it wasn't and easy for you. We should say that. It, it was, the it was be- definitely not. The yeah. Start of your- it was a struggle. Yeah. Because um, the Academy teaches you one thing, but when you're out in the streets, it's, it's it's a whole different ball game. You got in your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. We had to have some come to Jesus talks when you would get home. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much to those. <laughs> oh, those TOs. Yeah. You know who you are. Thank mm. you so much to the other TOs. You hey. know, we love you. <laughs> you know, but, it, but looking back at that, uh, they taught me so much. They did. And they did. I was too much in my head to take it in. Yeah. But now that I utilize that now. I'm scored away. And he's so, mm-hmm. you are so good. Like you are. Yeah. I know it because I, I hear it from your sergeants when we go to any events, when I'm at the division. Yeah. You know, when we're at different events with people from the division, when we're at his sergeant's house for poker night. Right. You know, I hear about how they consider him on the job. So for the record, it's not just my opinion that he's doing well. I'm hearing it from his I superiors. I think it's general consensus that his, I'm doing all right. His watch commander, <laughs> his they tell me, you know, they don't have to tell me that. And these aren't the type of guys that will just bullshit, bullshit you, you, yeah, you know. And so, but that's because he put the work in at the beginning, right? And and you and you girls, protected my time. I had to protect you to get there, yeah. Yep. And we had to debrief when you came home, and I had to give you some tough love as as a P one, 
Like you got to get it together, dude. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like I had to like tell him, <laughs> she, like, she did, but it's, it's for a good reason, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, it's a mindset, right? I knew you could do it though. I knew that you had what it takes and I knew you were going to be what the department wants because right. you're a very good balance of, of loving, of seeking justice and loving mercy yeah, and walking humbly. Mm-hmm. You do those things. You do. That's just who you are. God protected you. I believe in your life, the way he grew up, no dad grew up in a pretty gnarly area, could have done all kinds of things. Never did. He just was kept safe so that his background would clear <laughs> Ken. Yeah. 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 And so he meant to do this, but there, there was some resistance. There was something yeah. trying to keep you, I think from walking in this. And, in and, this. and those were some of those fears that I had to conquer and, and face and, get over and move on. Yeah. But then you got through and you're a P2 and then you were, you know, moving through that and still learning, still, still learning every day, but it gets easier with the communication. So Correct. like with hearing from him or not hearing from him, like he'll let me know sometimes like, Hey, I'm on the way to da, 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 da. Yeah. And he doesn't give me much info, but I know what that means because I may not hear from him for the next few hours or he may be late. Right. He may not be off at 1800. He may not be off till who knows when. And so I know that I just have to keep doing the routine then. All right, kids, we're getting in the car. We're going to go give the horses supplements. We're going to go home. We're going to do dinner. Where's daddy? Is daddy coming home tonight? You know what, darling? I'm not sure yet, but I will let you know. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm part of the rifle cadre, you know, that's when you have barricaded suspects and stuff. Guess who's up, uh, up there until SWAT comes? Right. Me. So, yeah. but it's, you know, it's a teamwork thing. Like I said, at the very beginning, but I don't know. I love that. I'm totally obsessed with, I love it. I love hearing all about it. All the stories time, and everything else. Yeah, he comes home, he tells me everything. And that's another thing. If you don't mind, if I talk about that right now, mm-hmm. we've known couples that don't function the way we do. Yeah. They don't communicate. And like the wife is oblivious to what they do as a job. No clue. Couldn't believe that my husband was... I- had a gun, had a gun me. on him, like out at a family function. Yeah, like, was in total shock that there was a weapon involved. I'm like, do you know, do yeah. you know what your husband does for a living? And her husband had been on for like 12 years. Right. Yeah. She was like, yeah, he's oh, a, you have a gun. I was like, yeah. Oh. And I love this girl. I just was kind of like, oh, honey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, who do you think your husband is? But they've had some <laughs> significant issues, I think. Yeah, but because it co- of that. Yeah, it's. Um, he kept everything from her. I think he thought he was protecting her, but it really just created a massive wedge between mm-hmm. them. They weren't, she wasn't relatable to him. And so when you don't have that, you find it somewhere else. Where are you going to find mm-hmm. it? So, Aaron, I got to ask when you guys started dating, did you have any idea that Matthew wanted to be a cop? I did. Yes, actually. Yeah. She, she gave me the probing question. What do you want to do with your life? <laughs> I mean, it's I like week, it's like week one of dating. Well, what do you want to do with your life? And it's like, I, well, you don't, I know you don't want to do what you're doing right now. And I said, well, you're absolutely right. This is what I want to do. And she says, all right, let's go home and apply. I said, wow, that's so weird. I was going to tell you when he said, you know, I've always been interested in law enforcement, actually. I said, wow, mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. Your personality and getting to know you for just literally the last three weeks. I think yeah. it was about three weeks. Yeah. I mm-hmm. said, I feel like you'd be really good in law enforcement. I said, you're a, a really interesting balance because he can seem really kind of super laid back and chill. He's incredibly kind. But don't be fooled. This man is not 
a wimp. He's not a pushover. He's can be super stubborn. He can, he's very strong personality. I can have that command presence. You really can. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But I saw that right away. And so when he told me, Oh yeah, I did all these ride alongs, like with Whittier PD and Steve, you know, when I was young and then your ex just basically said, I'll leave you if you pursue law enforcement. Yeah. Because all cops are cheaters. Yeah. And at you the know, time, he was like, well, okay, okay, fine. I'll just keep my management job. He thought he, you know, he was doing good. Yeah. You know, you were, you were doing good for, for that, your that time of my life. History. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. That time of your life. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. You want to do it? Yeah. But then we started kind of looking into it and you needed to kind of. I had to clean up some organized. stuff and get it more organized in yeah. like my paperwork. And yeah. uh, once that kind of got squared away, the process went pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, so I was super excited when he seemed like he was game. I'm like, oh, perfect. You know, that's great. This was like 2017 or 2016. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. So he kind of like started, I think you'd applied at one place and then. Yeah, I was was with multi-agencies. And uh, my primary goal was getting into the one that I was got hired for. So, And you were. On oh, the police, the kind of things. you were on the police background.net forums finding out information. Absolutely, <laughs> I was I was deep diving into there. Nobody held, nobody had that information uh, like we did. No. But absolutely, oh, no, yeah, nowhere. You know, uh, circling back to this question because I'm not sure if I got the answer. I was wondering about the um, we spoke to uh, to a uh, police spouse. And we spoke about when when her husband, you know, left the left the house to go home. There was that she had they had an understanding, and so I'm wondering, is there a conversation where where you the realities are? Have you guys ever had a conversation where I'm going to leave right now? I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go work patrol. I may not come back. I may not come back. Have you ha- have you guys had to have that kind of conversation, or, or is it like this secret understanding that we don't need to talk about it? <clears throat> I think we sort of talked about it bef- beforehand. Mike, yeah. yeah, like Mike died because what happened was Mike. Yeah, yeah. When, and I wear a bracelet with his name on it every single day yeah, as a right as a reminder. Keep my head on a swivel and honor the fallen. Yeah, because it was 2018. Mm-hmm. Mike was murdered in 2018. <clears throat> And then 2019 was his academy year start. Right. So that had happened prior to him even going into the academy and mm-hmm. that loss. And so correct. it's like we had kind of already as a family. And so him starting the academy, it, it was sort of in a way a silent understanding yeah. of like, I'm releasing mm-hmm. you to this and I'm trusting God with the outcome. Cause that's our foundation is our faith. We are believe we are Christians you know, we go to a non-denominational uh, Christian church up, um, here called Discovery. Um, so we do have that basis of faith. So for me, it's, or for us, I know we talk, we've talked about it. You wrote a letter. There's like a letter on your computer, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. I've never read it, but if something were to happen to him, mm. he has mm-hmm. written some things out that he would want me to know in a sense. And so I would read that if something ever were to happen. So there's right. some things that we put into place. Mm-hmm. We have, okay. you know, living well, try, you know, we have all of our documents organized and things like that. Yeah. But although it's a reality, we just don't live in fear in yeah. that sense. Mm-hmm. You can't. 
Because then it's going to overwhelm you, take right. yeah. take over, and you're going to second guess everything. Once you start second guessing stuff, that's when mistakes happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't really live with that as a focus. Like I'm not, I don't feel like I feel anxious because I'm a mm-hmm. police wife or nervous about something happening to him. I have to release him just like we have to release our children when they grow up and go, you know, it's mm-hmm. like our family members, we have to always trust God, but you're right. It's not the same as like, Oh, you can get killed in a traffic accident on the way to work. It is a higher level of risk. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I just don't think we ever chose to kind of live that way. We, no. we know that it's a reality because like I mentioned, maybe that helped us in a weird way that we did endure that in 2018 and still it's a valid point that loss. It's almost like once you've endured something that terrible, right? it's like, okay, we can make it through. And we know that God is going to be there for us, Mm -hmm. you know, to whatever end. Right. It's whatever comes. Yes. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll always be there for him. We've had, he's lost a friend at his division on the job. In a train, you know, in a, in a training mishap, and, and so you know, so we've we've so walked we've through a little it. bit of that even recently. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so Don- it's oh, good. Oh no, sir, go ahead. I was going to say, Donovan, did you and Tina ever have a conversation? Uh, Jenny and I never had a conversation. Never had a conversation, but um, when I was in the academy, um, we had an instructor who said uh, that you need to, uh, and back in that day, we didn't have computers, but. Uh, it needed to write a letter to your family uh, in case something ever happened. So mm-hmm. I did have that for my for Tina and for both of my kids. They each had a letter in case anything oh. ever happened. So so hearing that you actually have something like that, that's that's important. I, I know my wife had said that that was important for her to know that that was there. Yeah, definitely. It was something. Uh, uh, my wife and I never really had that conversation. We had the conversation was here's some numbers for the. For the Los Angeles Police Protective League, here's police relief, here's who yeah. you had to call. Mm-hmm. You have all these numbers. Uh-huh. It's not like, what, t- are the, what are those numbers for? Yeah, you know, here's the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> call. Yep. And it is. That when uh, when I was on the job from 80 to 2003, I've mentioned this before, I keep losing the exact number, but somewhere between 80 and um, 2003, there was something... Um, we lost uh, 43 LEPD officers in that time. and um, But we still, we never talked about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. nowadays, I think it's important. You guys have this letter, and Donovan, yeah. the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys push that, that's important, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, very important just to know how I feel about what I did um, on the job and also letting them know how much I'm proud of them. That's yeah. awesome. Well, and as far as like mental health and, you know, support with that knowledge, right. If you were, if you're going to live in fear and be so anxious, it's really going to take over. And so it's all consuming. Even if you're not a person of faith, if that's not your thing, whatever your thing is, if it's the mindfulness and meditation, or if it's just working out, or if it's working on your car, whatever it is, I think it's important to have something you can do both as an officer and as a spouse to center yourself, whatever you want to call it. And for you, for me, you know, working out the horse, we have different things. And there's, there's so many organizations today um, that 
assist with mental health and supporting officers, and I'm sure their spouses as well. Um, the first one that comes to mind, of course, is the Resiliency Project. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Wilson doing incredible work um, for officers and really um, breaking that stigma attached to mental health. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, in Jesus' name, rescuing reaching people before they need to be rescued, right. you know, reaching them before that rope gets hung. And I'm sorry to be so dark and so frank, but you know, it's a, re- it's realistic hoping to save someone or bring them back to life. Like I've have, have done in the ER with, you know, I have done in the field ACLS you've done right. It, you know, mm-hmm. that's amazing when we can do that, but let's, how do we reach these people before they need to be rescued? And I feel like the resiliency project and some other things, um, you know, departments are starting to, I think, get that awareness and start to have meetings and trainings about mental health and suicide prevention, um, supporting their officers, but especially with these critical incidents or with losses in the department, you know, I definitely hope that things continue to grow in that. You know, and I, I think, don't know how supported think, did you feel by the department with Houston? Oh, um, they actually did really well. Um, we had people come in every single day and like, hey, if you want to talk about anything, we're here. We'll stay here all shift. Um, we're fully available. Um, if not, we're a phone call away. And mm-hmm. um, even divisionally, you know, as a whole, they all wanted to make sure everybody was OK. And if you're not, that's OK. Let's talk about it. And, you're and if ta- you don't want to talk to me, talk to your peers. You're talking about, is it Houston Tipton? Uh, tipping. Tipping. Yeah. Uh, Donovan, I don't know if you heard about that. And I and no. uh, I know it's been in the news. Is it, Can you kind of go over that a little bit, How what happened there? Um, he just had a training mishap. <laughs> and unfortunately, he lost his life through it. Um, we don't know a ton of... Yeah, I don't know all the details. All I know is he was doing a training with um, other people for a specialized unit. And there is some kind of mistake that occurred and they tried everything they could to, you know, render aid and get help there as soon as they could. Unfortunately, it didn't work. And he lost his life going through that. Just heartbreaking. It completely unexpected. And, and-, and I could only imagine how the people felt in class. Oh my gosh. Going through that. It's horrible. And the department kind of went above and beyond and made sure you guys had resources resources available. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Every single day, um, upwards to the actual funeral. They were there in the hospital. They were, they had um, people there between like the chief of police, um, deputy chief, and lower. Hamilton, I saw um, a lot. Yeah. Hamilton, yeah. 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 He was. Uh, is commander, I think at the oh, time. Oh yeah. But they they had the help, and um, people were able to talk freely mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know let those tears out. But it's still happening, you know. It's, it's still, still occurring. Happening. Obviously, this regardless, week, you know, horribly. I, I know. Mm-hmm. For every day we lose, we lose someone, and there's both veterans and law enforcement, you yes. know, organizations that are trying to help prevent these suicides from happening, but. Um, there still is work to be done, obviously with a department as large as yours, sometimes, you know, things happen or people are being, um, you know, people take days for the, things are going on. People get in trouble, people get in trouble and they get so, uh, you or, know, just it, broken from that. Right. And then there's no support and they feel abandoned. They feel abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, exit 
And, uh, but there are people that they're not, I mean, there right. are people who love them. It's just a matter of, again, breaking that stigma and, and reaching out, reaching out, but reaching them before it gets to that Correct. point is where we've got to get to. And the department I'm sure could do better with that. Yeah. And it divisionally, it, it could as well because, because divisionally a lot of people already know kind of what's going on and who's true. who in the zoo mm-hmm. and, and kind of how to assess that. Mm-hmm. I think we have between the, the, the three of us here, we have three kind of different generations of how this happened. When I was on the job, they would say, Hey, so this happened and uh, you're assigned to this car. And when Donovan came on, I don't think there was any, any, um, mental health services available. And then by the time you retired, it was a thing. And then you guys, Mm -hmm. um, Matthew and Aaron, now it's a thing. And so I, I, I talked to Donovan about this at all. And I, and I've had a conversation with him because he, he deals with PTSD and I deal with PTSD. And, um, I remember telling you, Donovan, I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about with some of this mental health stuff. Cause I, I don't right. relate to it. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about and we just didn't have anything, but now, I mean, Donovan had, had some good conversations about that. Mm-hmm. Like he's been there for me. And I said, Donovan, I don't know what's, what's happening. What am I supposed to do? And he's been, he's been at my side this time, but this is a cool thing, man, that, that, Suicide prevention and and mental mm-hmm. health, yeah, absolutely. And, and just advocate, advocating for each other, and right. and whether or not you got to hold a hand and just kind of work through it. If you want to pray about it, let's pray about it. If not, let's talk about it and let's try to work through it. And if not, we're going to get you resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and that's not even with officers too. Sometimes you know you go to these radio calls of these. Uh, mental illness calls and stuff like that. And they're feeling S I H I and, and you got to help them through that too. So you're going to get them tools, resources and everything else they need to uh, get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important for police applicants to know that, that you may, you may go through an entire career and think, Oh, I skated, but no, I mean, all of us, uh, Aaron in the, in the emergency room and Matthew and, Donovan, we all have seen things that humans should not see. And yeah. you can't just go, yeah, I don't just, think about I just, that. I just had that yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. With, uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. It was just wild. It, it was a, uh, a temp 187, and then the person barricaded themselves and took their life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you just can't, you just can't go, no, nah, I'm not going to think about that anymore. It just doesn't right. work like that. You just, not always. You don't un, you don't unremember. <laughs> See that, right? Right. right. But or you, the drowning, like the boy. You yeah. Know. So yeah. Also, too, you know, seeing two four-year-old twins drown in a pool, and one of them didn't make it. That was one that mm-hmm. was really. That was really hard. Yeah. Especially given our children's ages currently, and and with pool safety and everything else, yes. and people not mm-hmm. advocating to have uh, mm-hmm. fencing around their pools and and alarm systems and different things in place to. Prevent that kind of stuff. I didn't want to hard. take our kids to the pool in our neighborhood for like a couple. A while, months. yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're oh, you're drowning with that that neighborhood boy that right. I helped with at our pool right before that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you do you kind of start you feel that you're like okay uh oh wait I'm having an aversion to something okay mm-hmm. I got to talk with someone I have to tell him look right. yeah I'm not wanting to be in the pool right now look can we talk through this like remind me like what's our plan like 
talk through this with me. And not everyone is a talker. True. Some people don't. We talk a lot. We we always have a conversation about yeah. everything. But. You're always telling me, you know, what's going on. We you debrief, you know, step by step. Right. What happened in that call? You're showing me, you know. This but and you that. also have the interest in it though, too. That's so true. you want to listen and you want to learn and grow and question me on what I did and why. And it's yeah. because you're making sure I understand what I did, and you want to know more about yeah. everything. But that's like one way that we <laughs> it helps us to. Cope. to yeah, cope and to feel stronger and to let go of some of that anxiety surrounding different things, you know, um, I, you know, some of it probably ties back, like you said, PTSD with me and the ED and, you know, I've had children come in and drownings and such in the past. Um, but you have to just let, you have to let that stuff go as contrite as that probably sounds. Yeah, it's You not, really do. You yeah. have to find a way to talk through it mm-hmm. and understand it. And then not perseverate on it. That that's that's the key, I think, is not yeah, not doing that. And you have to have again, I think, relationships. You have to have those positive things in your life. The barn for me, working out, different things at church for us, you mm-hmm. know, different things that you do that sort of take the place. Because if you're only focusing on the negative, that's what gets elevated in your life. And that's so you what you're going to live in. Speak to the positive as well to kind of not let that take over, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah. And uh, Donovan, I think you put it very well in a different way that um, one thing that, that police applicants need to know is if you have a, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a spouse, you need to know that it's that um, it's not, I went to the academy. We went through the academy. Mm-hmm. We had a career. We had a tragedy. We are in this together. Everything that that the officer goes through, the spouse is in it 100%. Um, and so a lot of it is we, and mm-hmm. we have to talk about it. You're right. And, and <clears throat> another thing with the we is when Houston went to the hospital, Aaron drove out. And she went to the hospital with me. She met me there yeah. with my partner. And she was there. Like, no question. She just took Kingston to her dad's and said, just give me this and I'll be there. Right. Yeah. Because that's that's a part of it. If you are, if you are going to be in a police family, you need to understand up front that mm-hmm. your life is not always your own all the time. It, you can be a phone call away from from something you need to go into action. And absolutely, if if it yeah. and with, I go back to Donovan because I think this is a really important thing for me. All my injuries, well, the majority of my injuries were were mental. Donovan mm-hmm. had a physical injury, and uh-huh. once that happens, your wife or your husband or somebody they need to. If you're a if you're a police spouse, you need to go into action. There's no like. There's no crying in the corner as uh-huh. a as a police spouse. Right. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. like two weeks later. Yeah, after it passed. But not yeah. in the moment. And that sounds really intense. Did you say uh, I guess I shouldn't ask too many questions, but abdominal? Yes. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's my work. Mm-hmm. 
And I talked to Donovan and it hurt. He said it hurt. (laughs) It it stung a little. It stung a little. (laughs) To say the least, huh? (laughs) Yeah, that's intense. That can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, his story, his story is all over the internet. I mean, you could could Google Um, him and he's, he did the interviews with the news and all that, but I met him. I've met him. Start of this, so I followed you on your Instagram right when I first saw your name. So I'll have to do some deep diving. My investigative yeah. skills. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to do <laughs> some smooth work. Right. <laughs> my you my wife, <laughs> my wife always says, "Oh, you're that guy," because everyone comes. Oh, you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I want to get into a little bit. I, 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 we didn't really get into the academy part, but I think to to nutshell the whole academy part is um, when a person goes in the academy, you have no life for six months. <laughs> That's just it. Yes. <laughs> That's easy to say. Uh, absolutely, you're you're fully invested on your career, your development, your growth, and successfully getting through that academy. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got, you go through the whole day at the academy, you got to go home, you got to study for tests. You have, you have um, tactics and you have weapon, weapons and all this stuff that you just don't fit into five days in the academy week. You got to, the weekends. So just know that your significant other, your spouse, just be there. You're going to have to support them. They're not going to be around, maybe not fully emotionally for six months. Basically, mm-hmm. right, and so yeah, um, you can't get all upset about that. It's no. just not fair because it's worth it. Yeah, that's the key. It's worth it. It's six months of your life. It's going to go by so quick. It's just a fraction of your life. It's a fraction of what you can have as out of out of this uh, career. Yeah. Like if yeah. you cannot love someone enough to give them a darn break for six months and not be mad that they can't go to your aunt's birthday dinner, okay. Or that they can't go to the little engagement party or whatever it is. They're going to miss things, girls. I'm just going to tell you right now. They're going to miss things. You're going to have to go by yourself. Mm-hmm. That's okay, though, because it's just for a short while. Because they're going to graduate. You're going to be so proud of them. You're going to get to go to the graduation and the badge pinning ceremony that I never got to go to because they canceled it because it was, quote, unquote, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I was the first round of the you're going to have this beautiful life ahead of you. He's going to have his career. It's so worth it, but you have to just take one for the team for those six months for sure. Yeah. It's short, but it's worth it. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. You, Aaron, you went through the Academy too, because hundred yes. percent. I shined his boots. Yeah, like she, she, all night. <laughs> He's like, you better pass all your tests. You better get a hundred percent on all those tests. And, you go out there and you give your hundred and ten percent. I drive. And I, <laughs> so yes, the man, the secret is out, Donovan. That that spit on that mm-hmm. spit shine was Aaron's spit. <laughs> <laughs> she shined. every inspection really I passed because of her. <laughs> That's all the awesome. Inspections on your message on your message boards, Ken. All those, um, all those. I read everything on that police background thing. I really do. <laughs> I followed the instructions that someone had posted on there. When yeah, I did yeah. The first time. Yeah, yeah. It, it worked like a champ. Yeah. My DI loved it. He did. <laughs> he did really well in the academy. You really did. You didn't have too many like uh, run-ins or anything. 
You Thankfully. did really well, but we're a little yeah. older too. So he brought a lot of, you know, he is mature and he was a manager and in charge of leading people and training people. And, um, well, I would also bust your chops too. Why is an old man beating you guys running? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, young bucks got to catch up. So now I want to get into this thing about how do you balance the demands of police work with a healthy marriage life, family life. And I go back to this thing that I talk about where, I mean, I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't a hundred percent like everything I do has to be police and all my friends have to be police and all that. But I did get into the excitement of it. I, I worked nights. That's when everything was happening. And if I got, Sent to days, I would only work there for three months. Then I'd go back and work nights again. <laughs> and um, I missed a lot of birthday parties and all this stuff that happened at night. My kids, you know, I wish I had done things a little differently. How do you guys, um, how do you balance the demands and kind of keep your head in the family game and not get so wrapped up in police work? You know, it's, it's easier said than done. You know, it's when you're out there and you're chasing the box and you're getting suspects and you're hooking a book in and you're hanging out with all your friends and having a great time. Um, it's easy to get caught up in that stuff, but you have to realize what you're actually doing. You're doing this for your family for a greater purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, knowing that they're back home waiting for you and they can't wait to hear your fun stories or, or anything else. And, um, to be fully engaged with them after. And, you know, I have a longer commute driving home. Mm -hmm. So that really helps that process like decompress and really get my, my mind sound and my thoughts straight. So when I'm present, when I come home, I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm engaged. And, you know, uh, I'm dad. I'm not police officer daddy. Donovan, I didn't ever asked you, did you have any regrets about, the shifts you worked or anything that you missed with your kids or anything? No, no. I was fortunate. I, I was always able to pick uh, the shifts that I wanted. Uh, I spent 15 years on graveyard shifts specifically. So I wouldn't miss out on things with the kids. Mm. So I sacrificed a lot of sleep. There are a lot of uh, days where I would go into work, maybe with two or four hours worth of sleep. And that was it. But I did it because I wanted to have that time with the family. So, I missed very few things because I, I sacrificed that picking the, the shifts that would work best for my family. Mm. Not that, not the shifts that, you know, I wanted to work. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. Um, I, I work day watch, so day watch works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm able to come home, have dinner with the family, put the kids to bed, you know, have a little bit of time with uh, Aaron debrief the day or just talk about, you know, whatever's okay. going on with life. And um, do we our have a later family schedule due to that, though. Yeah, so mm -hmm. our kids are our kids aren't up till you know eight in the morning because they don't go to bed till nine o'clock at night. Right. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they wouldn't see him. We wouldn't be able to have dinner with him if we kept an earlier schedule like some families right. do. True. Right. So that's an adjustment right. that we've made, you know, happily, so that we can yeah. do mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. People are like, your kids are still awake at eight thirty. I don't know how you do it. I'm like, well, they don't get up. They. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> It's just, it's just, a, it's just a, yeah, it's just the time's pushed a little mm -hmm. bit longer. Mm -hmm. But it helps mom sleep more. Right? Because then I don't mm -hmm. have to get up early. I mean, unless I was working. Ideally. Just, yeah. <laughs> six to six when I work. Yeah, I hated work. I hated working day watch. I mean, it was at that time, it was seven in the morning. 
till three thirty mm-hmm. or something. But mm-hmm. I just don't do mornings, man. Donovan knows not to call me till after. Or if he texts me in the morning, he's going to get a text like later. But um, yeah. yeah, I just didn't do. He mornings. sends me texts late at night. I send them in early in the morning. We just tick each other off. <laughs> and I and yeah, it was always. Um, I always worked uh, either ten to six thirty at night, or from um, from six at night till till like three in the morning. Those were my shifts, and so there's a lot of going on in life that I kind of missed. I, it sounds like I'm the only knucklehead here that that really <laughs> uh, decided I wanted to do police work, you know, and and not worry about the family so much because I wanted to do police work, but. Um, yeah, I have a. I I have to. I, I openly I admit I had a lot of. Uh, I have a lot of regrets that I that I probably and it, and it. You know, my wife was very good because she was like, "This is this is the nature of the job." You know that mm-hmm. she accepted that this is just you know if you're going to be in a police family this is the way it is when in reality it's not you can pick your own schedules mm-hmm. so and reason sometimes yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah and who knows what division you were at or you know the vi- division you've been at so far have it has worked out pretty it's well been worked out pretty who knows well. what if we, but you- then you 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 still get bumped and I normally work swing shift because you get a little bit of afternoon and you get some right. of the night and you'll possibly get in a pursuit and then you'll wrap it all up and do it again tomorrow. But if you're going to go be a boot sergeant somewhere, we I'm haven't the, gotten I'm to at, that yet. Yeah. Right? I'll be at the mercy of uh, being L70 somewhere. Right. So, so we mm-hmm. haven't crossed some of those bridges. That'll be different. You know, when you are yeah. but that's someday okay. when you're deputy chief or whatever. Oh, wow. Right on, man. <laughs> we heard it here first, Donovan. We heard it here <laughs> first. Yep. Yeah. There's a chief's oh. jobs open right now. <laughs> really? I don't know quite how far you want to go, but whatever you want. I know you want to be like a lieutenant for sure. At least. Yeah. At least mm-hmm. that's that's part of the goal. But you know, I want to be well rounded. So I want to be able to get my hands into everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yep. so you guys spoke a lot about uh you guys talk a lot. And I think that's really awesome that you guys have that much communication um, because because I can go back again. And, and a lot of times with with myself and my friends is, you know, you get home and, and your wife says, hey, so how was your day? Uh, uh. <laughs> you know, when in reality, that 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 grunt translates, oh, I saw, you know, uh, there was a murder and I came to this and there was blah, blah, blah. And I saw child abuse and all that. And that's what that grunt means. You know, yeah, there's a lot of pain hidden in that grunt. Yeah, and so wh- what other relationship tools? What I love about you guys is that you talk a lot. Um, there are no secrets. There's no holding it in. Oh, I remember. I remember this having conversations with old partners, and and uh, I can't imagine how many times my wife overheard a conversation and she goes. What was that? You never told me about that. And we're reminiscing about some caper that we got no. in or something like that. And she <laughs> says, you never even mentioned that. And it was serious stuff. I just never talked about it, you know? I mean, but you guys talk a lot. And you've got you've got stuff that you do with your marriage ministry, with church, and some of the stuff that you've got. What are some of the tools that you use to stay connected in a job that doesn't necessarily... Um, what am I trying to say? Relate in a sense where where 
Aaron, uh, um, uh, Matthew can say something like this happened today or something like that. It's not like you can go, oh yeah, I did that too. I've, I've, I've gone through that, you know? And so how do you, how do you do that where you, um, do you have similar experiences where you say, oh, I saw this, I don't know, dead body in the ER and, and, and yeah. I can relate to she that. She asked me, how, how does it make you feel? Okay. How did you feel? Do you ask him that? Oh, that's good. And, and we, mm-hmm. you know, at first it was odd, you know, looking at this, or whatever it is, and trying to figure out why or how. And, you know, um, whether it's a DB investigation or something different, um, sometimes with her medical background, she's able to break things down for me and help me really understand some mm-hmm. of the process on some of this stuff. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, I think we just talk so much and just break down things. It's, it's just normal. Yeah, I will say I almost feel guilty right now because I don't quite know how to describe how we do it. And I want to be helpful to whoever's listening and not feel like, well, you know, unrelatable. Like, well, they just do it and it just works for them. Because I'm sure there are things we do. Yeah, there's. Um, But I would say, I don't know, maybe a degree of it is just. I will say we did have a heads up because of my nursing background and the things that I've seen and done and been involved in. Um, the fact that even when he was in the process, we both listened to podcasts all the time, police podcasts, or constantly listening to like technical tangents or squad room or all, you know, all these different podcasts and different critical incident podcasts and listening. Um, and then kind of hearing my family talk through the years and the history of that. Um, I'm super into it. I guess you could say if I wasn't a nurse, honestly, I probably would have gone into law enforcement. Honestly, I love it. I love the, the converse, the the tactical analysis of situations. I love people and understanding the way their minds work and um, processes and um, systems and training. I love all that stuff. So part of it. Yes. I think we have sort of a leg up in this department because of my personal interest in who I am. Right. But if, if I'm talking right now to a couple where the girl, maybe she is um, a kindergarten teacher or maybe she's an accountant or works, uh, you know, in, in some office somewhere and just has zero familiarity with any of this, I would say, although you may not have the background or history that I have, um, if you're willing, and I encourage you to be try and go download a couple of those podcasts, go look and and start to learn and listen to the degree that you're comfortable. And just like anything else, I think your level of comfort will grow in your ability to hear some of these things. I know some wives say, oh, it scares me when I hear these terrible things. Right. And I mm-hmm. understand that to some right. degree mm-hmm. if you're unfamiliar with it, because unfamiliar things are scary. Right. But if you start to learn and understand more, I'm hoping that your fear will decrease enough that your communication with your boyfriend, fiance, spouse, whoever they are to you will grow because and, you'll be able to hear those things without it panicking you. Well, you and, and it'll, it'll create a different bond too, because it's going to show that you're relatable and it's you like, want to learn. Yeah. That you're into and, what they're into. And they're then, into this girls, whether and, or not you admit it, they're talking about these scenarios with their right. buddies. They're yeah. talking about their caper that they had today. They're cutting it up with their buddies at work. And if they come home to you and you're this like blank, Oh, how was work? Okay. Well, let's go to dinner. Let's go do let's this go or that. Do this yeah. and that with my family. And 
you're losing a big part of them. You are, you're not going to be as close to your spouse. If you can't learn to love and understand this huge part of who they are, which is a law enforcement officer. And that will also make them very excited and kind of love you more because you get to ramble off about all the junk that you went through today. And, um, you know, and then they can be like, Oh, wow. You know, that's really amazing that you did X, Y, Z. I'm learning so much more about your job. And you feel proud of them and they are going to love, you know, I I think as a man, I won't say all men, just like, like the whole, all men, you know, the whole women want love and men want respect. I don't always identify with a lot of that. I tend to lean more toward the, like, I want respect, you know, as well as love. But I feel like men or women, we like to feel admired. We like to feel like our partner you know, is in awe of us to some degree. And so while they're telling you these stories, they're letting into this area of their life. That's really intense, you know, and then you get to tell them like, Whoa, you did that. Like you can be so proud of them and encourage them. And that does foster closeness. Cause that's like words of encouragement, it is. love language, you know? Absolutely. So I think if you're not doing that, and not utilizing that tool, you're really missing out on a huge way to stay connected, especially if things do get tough. I don't know. Maybe he's going to go through an incident one day and he's going to clam up a bit. You did a little bit following Houston. Yeah, There was a little bit. You you locked it down for a minute. But as a spouse, it, it has to be a relentless pursuit of their heart, of what's going on with them. You just have to keep not keep nagging at them. It's not about nagging or no, asking. No, no. It's just about being there and like being present to hear when they're ready and checking. Yeah. 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 But you have mm-hmm. Back in the, in the uh, mid eighties, I was a department chaplain and there were only oh, five wow. of us at the time. And we would get called out. One of the, one of the, the best pieces of advice the head chaplain gave me was when I was learning, he said, um, I go, so what do you say to people when you go, we, we always get called for, um, for retired officers deaths and we'd have to go meet with the family like the next day or something like that. So what do you, what do you say um, when you're, when somebody just lost someone and he told me, and I never forget this. He said, sometimes the best thing to do is to sit in silence. Mm. Just be there, yeah. They don't have to say anything. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because they may not be ready to talk about it yet. Like he doesn't always tell me right away, and then I kind of just know, like, okay. And then next thing I know, like we sit down and we're gonna eat something. And I'm like, okay, let's watch Steel Teams or whatever. I get it prepped on the TV, and all of a sudden he's like, weird. Okay, yeah. It all starts coming out, and I'm like, okay, he needs to like talk about this right now. Yeah. And you have to figure that out because sometimes I'm tired, right? Because I've had like, mm-hmm. I worked a 12-hour shift from home up until two weeks ago. That day mm-hmm. two, while he was gone with my two kids at home with me. Mm-hmm. Or I just was at home with the kids and I was out and I was with friends and I was at Bible study and I was giving, giving, giving to all this, these kids all day. Yep. Mommy, mommy. And then he's, I'm like ready to sit back and chill for a second. But he's like, <laughs> I need to share this. So you just have mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, be ready to hear whenever they're ready to share, I guess. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. Donovan, in your situation, did you have to, did Tina just kind of have to wait for you to decide when you wanted to talk? Yeah, it came down to that a lot. I mean, there was a lot of uh, deflection on my part. Um, 
uh, I did a lot of hiding in work. Um, I had positions where um, even when I left work, I was still working when I got home, working on policies, working on all that stuff. Um, and I always, and I, I've always been interested in everything that my wife does. So I, I would deflect and I would put focus back on, Hey, what, what'd you do today? What, you know, what happened? What was interesting at work? Cause I mean, she, she deals with workers compensation. So she has some really good stories mm-hmm. about, you know, <laughs> the injury that happened at work. And I'm like, well, that's just a good way for me to just not think about it anymore. Um, and do that. But I mean, uh, there were times I did talk to her. I wasn't one that hid anything from my family. Um, uh, I did work for a smaller department in Wisconsin and we had an officer die at a neighboring agency who, you know, we all knew. Um, and for the funeral, I was the only officer from my department who brought his entire family, uh, to the funeral. Um, and Mm -hmm. I talked to the other officers who I worked with. I'm like, why, why aren't your wives here at least? Uh, and they're like, we just don't want them to know what goes on. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the biggest uh, travesty that I ever heard in in all my time in law enforcement is they tried to hide um, what this job is about. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think my kids knew at a very early age that <laughs> yeah, um, I worked in a dangerous job and mm-hmm. that there's a good chance that, you know, they're, I may not come home at some point. So, right. So yeah, different, different things for me. You know, I, it, we talk a lot now. I mean, especially probably in the last, what, three years now, um, we talk a ton about, uh, what has gone on in my career, but I, I was, I was a, I was kind of a master at deflection, I think. Hmm. So I think the bottom line or what I'm getting is that if your officer doesn't want to talk, don't sit there and go, I'm here to help. Talk to totally. me. Mm-mm, yeah. Yeah, give them time. It can't so. be like that. Right. Yeah. It should be natural. You know, it should be a little more organic, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always ask at the very end, Donovan, I don't even know how we got into this question. Why it's always Because it's, it's a great question. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um is we always want to know what advice would you give to police officer candidates who still want to get on the job? In even in today's environment, what advice? And this is really cool because I want each of you to give an individual mm-hmm. answer. What would you say Double. to someone who wants to be a cop in 2024? Yeah, don't hold back. Just just go for it. Do it. Um, if you have people saying no, you shouldn't do it. Go with your gut. Change if, them out. If if yeah, if this is what you want, be relentless. Go out there and get it. Um, because it's, it's not going to be handed to you. It's not given it's earned. So, um, whatever it is you do, go out there and give it your all and, uh, don't give up and don't take no for an answer. There you go. They look specifically like they should expect maybe this time frame. What should they expect? Like today versus like when you started. Um, I'm just curious. As in like. What's getting into the, mm-hmm. as in like being a police officer mm-hmm. um you have to be smart with your words um you have to be able to talk people into cuffs you have to talk to people kindly you know within reason um but you have to stand firm know who you are know what you have to do for your job and do it well never stop learning when you stop learning you become complacent when you come complacent Bad stuff happens. Donovan and I didn't talk to people into cuffs. <laughs> no, we, we, raised the tra- 
We really yeah. blazed the trail on what not to do. <laughs> that was the police time I would have loved. Yeah. You know, I'm not lying. I would have fit right in. in. In the academy, when we go over uh, tasers and, and we talk about you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. I'm like, just so you know, my, my group was the founding members of everything that we're telling you not to do. <laughs> you can't do any of this. And Aaron, what would you say to police candidates? Um, to police candidates, I would say really take an inventory of what you've done so far in your life and what you feel has prepared you so far to step into a career that is going to ask more of you than you probably ever knew you had to give but also be, from what I've seen, incredibly rewarding um, in helping build up your character to be who you want to be or more of who you want to be. It's a really interesting dichotomy. So if you feel like you're like, hey, I'm young, I'm 21 right now, and I just want to go out and catch bad guys, okay, but maybe take a breather because what's your leadership skill set look like? Mm-hmm. What have you been trusted with at a current or past job that would make you trustworthy enough to go out without really a ton of supervision and handle really intense situations? Um, you know, with, again, like I said, not a lot of supervision all the time. Yes, you're requesting, you're calling, you're, if you need a backup, you've, uh, you've got a supervisor sure. coming to the scene that you're or you at. have a right? partner with you. But- you have a partner if you're your department. You always have a partner, but and, not if you're every department. Correct. And and another one that I, that I like to tell them too, especially these young cats that are working now, um, they're fixing problems that older people can't even figure out. Right. Yeah. You're you're coming into a domestic violence situation of two a 56 year old right. and his 72 year old girlfriend that just got that's smashed got in the beat face with a cane or and, whatever. You know. And you're 21, you're 21 and you're a boot and you're like, uh, what do I do? Right. You're, and you're going to fix their problem for the <laughs> yeah. time, whatever it is. So if you haven't gotten that leadership experience, if you haven't, if you don't feel like you're a strong communicator, go and figure out how to be, get yourself, get a mentor that's on a department somewhere, start having some conversations, ask them to help you run that's scenarios, huge. you know, that, that was huge for me. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so my advice would be, Again, take an inventory of your strengths and your weaknesses right now, what you bring to the table. Because it's not just about, oh, I'm really fit and I got my cool hair, you know, and I'm ready to carry a gun, right? <laughs> TikTok cups. Re- <laughs> right? It's going to require so much more of you than that. And um, again, what? how do you handle stress? How do you recover from a stressful situation? Right. Mm-hmm. Um Who's your bench? Who do you have on your bench? Who are those guys or girls that you go to, to talk with, you know, who, what, how you built your bench essentially in your life. And, um, if, you know, if you can be honest with yourself and say, yes, you know, I feel like I'm ready. Okay, fine. Go into it. Otherwise I'd say maybe marinate a little bit, go get yourself a job, get mentors, spend a couple of years, you know, growing yourself. And when you're 25 or 27, take a look at it again, you know, and then go in and, um, you might, you might find that you're more successful because you're more 
prepared for what this job is going to require of you. Um, but either way, it's going to make a man out of you or a woman out of you. you, <laughs> you know, and it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen quick, whether or not you're ready for it. Um, but yeah, for police applicants, I would just say again, like to reiterate what Matthew said: if this is what you really want and you're ready to, you know, serve other people first mm-hmm. and help them understand, you know, and and you know uphold that rule of law. Ultimately, are you doing that in your personal life? Are you obeying the laws? You know, cause who are you to go out? Are you taking your motorcycle tonight and going and driving 115 down the freeway? Then who are you? You know, what is your integrity? Like what, who are you then to go and try to uphold that rule of law? If you're not following it in your own life. So I'm kind of That's a stickler. Good. I'm kind of a stickler about a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, I want to mm-hmm. see, you know, your face shaved and your hair, cut off, like get ready. You, you need to understand that this profession has a lot of traditions and they're there for a reason and they're there for your safety as well. Um, and so bringing some big attitude that you're this tough guy or girl is just not the right heart. I feel like you have to come being willing to learn, being able to know what you don't know and having no problem saying, I have no idea, but I'm going to find out like, that's Mm -hmm. the right heart that we need in law enforcement. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, if that's you, then go sign up and get ready for an awesome career, I guess. Yeah. So Donovan, what I'm getting from Aaron is she does not go to TikTok to see what cops are all about. I, I don't, don't think so. <laughs> I'm not for it. I don't even have TikTok actually. <laughs> Well, this has been a great, a very enlightening interview. You guys are are uh, pretty awesome. As a, I think this is the first actual couple that we've been able to have this conversation with, and I talked to I talked to That's Donovan awesome. all the time about. I think Tina's the, I think Tina is the most amazing police wife, and <laughs> and I just uh, uh, she's pretty old school, and I can appreciate that. She is. Um, Donovan, before we go, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I got nothing. This is another great episode. It's one that I know that me and you both wanted to do for a while to uh, get the spouse's perspective in on this. So I think it was great. Uh, A lot of great information today. Yeah. And so thank you, Matthew and Aaron. Thank you so much for being here. Um, This information is going to be, is going to help out with our uh, police candidates, our listeners to know what they're getting into before they even, you know, go into the Academy. So I think that's important. And you guys have been a great resource. I think it's going to be a pretty popular um, episode, but thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so um, much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with that, um, if you have any questions for them, you can forward them to me, Ken at policebackground.net. I will forward the information um, to Matthew and Aaron, if you have any questions about anything that that the that we talked about, but other than that, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the Police Applicant Podcast. We are the premier police background prep site in the U.S. and Canada. For more information on scheduling your police background consultation, go to policebackground.net. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes.